Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everybody to Christian Marauder today on the pre-recorded live stream. As you can see, I changed the background, but I'm also having some trouble with doing some live streams due to the processing speed of the computer and some type of conflict with YouTube. Seems like there's a never-ending saga going on with all this stuff, and you just sometimes shake your head and do the best you can. So with that, let's get into today's message. Babylon has fallen. The original meaning of Antichrist meant to replace God, to mockingly mimic God, and thus be against all that God is. Good, merciful, gracious, kind, forgiving, just, holy, righteous. This same anti-replace God spirit is already at work in the world, pitting these character traits of God against each other in order to trip God up and escape justice. And the next chapters of Revelation shows us how it all pans out in the end. And that's where we're at today in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked and behold the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. With him were 144,000 having his Father's name written on their foreheads. So brothers and sisters of God, we now step back into Revelation chapter 7. Like I said before, there is a dramatic uh, scene that begins in Revelation, and then it's followed by a narrative account that gives details and explanations. Goes to another dramatic scenes. You got to learn in, in Bible prophecy to connect the dramatic scenes together that connect, and you will find the rhythm and the flow and of the Book of Revelation and also Bible prophecy and understand it much better. Okay, so these are the 144,000 Jewish evangelists or believers, as scholars call them seen in Revelation chapter 7, who ministered during the Great Tribulation and given the seal of protection throughout that period and come out victorious of that great time known as Jacob's trouble. Notice they are on Mount Zion, standing before the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. This most likely refers to Psalm 2 at the ushering in of the millennial reign of Jesus after all is said and done, because that's where this is pointing to. It's pointing to when all the how-longs of everything is finally answered. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you like to see justice done? No more elections pulled out from under you. No more the evil getting away with it. No more people selling out their country like Judas in order to set up a communist manifesto in the United States and over the entire world of dominion and control who are anti-God, want to replace God with the state, replace God with Luciferianism. Are you sick of it? Why do they keep getting away with it? Well, this time in the book of Revelation, it builds up and shows you they're, they're not going to get away with it much longer. And I believe with all my heart, we're heading toward these days as we are propelled almost worldwide phenomena heading in that direction right now. Note there are 100, 
and 44,000 of these Jewish evangelists. There are 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. God promised something to the nation of Israel. And this is what you've got to understand. To understand Bible prophecy is like it says in uh, Revelations chapter 1, verse 19. you got to look at the past and you got to look at the flow of history to understand what's going on in the future. That's a dramatic narrative explanation, dramatic explanation type of scene that you see all throughout the book of Revelation. We come right back to Revelations chapter 7 here. This time we're in the future here. Oh my, oh my, oh my. And then because God is going to fulfill something he said to the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel long ago. Despite them blowing it, he's never given up on the Jewish people. And so God promised something to the nation of Israel way back in the day. If he is unable to perform his word, then the devil wins. Okay, you got to get that picture. And I will explain this in a minute. Remember the Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read from the New King James says this. Remember the former things of old for I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. And, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Amen. Note what he says. He declares the beginning from the end. Okay? Past. The flow of history and the end. Just like Jesus said in, Re in Revelation chapter 119. That's that dramatic scene in the narrative account all wrapped up when he speaks. Okay? And he says, My counsel will stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So it is no wonder the devil seeks to wipe out the nation of Israel off the face of the earth, even in this current hour, and set Israel up for a fall. Remember, the church has apostatized, okay? It says there's not going to be such a great revival in the end times as, uh, as some people teach, but actually a falling away. The great end time revival begins when the 144,000 are on earth and the two witnesses. And people are getting still saved during the tribulation period. That's when that great revival actually historically and figuratively in future will, uh, will happen. Not before. But before that, the great apostasy, the church fell away. And um, God saves his remnant, thus keeps his word to the church. But God has promised something to the nation of Israel. Let's look. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, and it says this, Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. For he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, the city of peace. Note that God's design is that the Jewish people would be his special kings and priests. He wanted them to declare his name and law to the entire earth, okay? They fail time and time again. But during the tribulation period, the 144,000 uh, Jewish evangelists and the two witnesses succeed. And now the time of victory over the Antichrist system and the Antichrist himself is at hand. Look at these verses coming up here. Look at Isaiah 64, verse 2. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversary, that the nations may tremble at your presence. That was a promise given to ancient Israel. The God wanted them to make known his holy name, his character traits. Okay? How good and holy and just he is and how he teaches right and wrong and all this stuff and how he has order and design and things. Okay? So listen to me again. Keep tracking here. 
uh, folks, during the tribulation period, the 144,000 Jewish believers succeed in not allowing the beast and his system to overcome or defeat them. God will be fulfilling his word to a T, just as he says in Isaiah 55 verse 11. So will my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's from the New King James here. In other words, both Gentile and Jewish believers are have will one day become one new man now, who during the millennial reign of Christ will rule with him and fulfill the words to the Jewish people. The Jewish people were to be the kings and priests. The, the Gentiles, us, the church was grafted in. Okay, And together we are going to fulfill this in a future date and time. Not any time before it, but after the Antichrist is destroyed. So Micah chapter 4 verse 2 says this from the New King James. Listen very carefully. It says, Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He'll teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law will go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That is a powerful thing. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, called Jesus the very word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word of the Yahweh, that's what the word Lord means, Yahweh, from Jerusalem. So, the word Yahweh will judge the nations with a scepter of iron, just like it says in Psalms 2. Why? Because look how the nations want to replace God. God's going to finally answer all the how longs and take care of business here. And as Ezekiel chapter 39, 7 says from the New King James, So I'll make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name any more. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. He didn't say of Israel, he said in Israel. He's going to reign in Jerusalem, folks. Well, the Antichrist system and the and the Antichrist and the beast did not defeat God. He will not defeat the 144,000. He will not defeat the two witnesses, nor will he defeat the, the people who are getting saved during Jacob's trouble, known as the Great Tribulation, either. Okay. In the realm of eternal time, we are now going to peer into the future in verse 2 of Revelations and verse 3 of Revelations from the New King James, of Revelation chapter 14 here. Verse 2 reads, from the New King James, and I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of a, of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the hundred and forty-four thousand who were redeemed from the earth. These folks, these hundred and forty-four thousand, were singing a victory song that only they know and God knows. And it's similar to the song of Moses that was sung right after the crossing of the Red Sea and great deliverance came. And in Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4 from the New King James, okay? For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is our rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Get that. God is our rock. That means he is stable. He's sure. His ways are true. They're just, they're holy, they're good, they're righteous, they're decent. They're the right way to go. God has a design for men and women. You're only, you're, you're only male and female. You're not whatever. 
okay? He has design and order, okay? And that order brings stability, it brings health, it brings healing, okay? That's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to bring, he's going to bring that back into the world. How? Because all his ways are just, okay? He is stable. Now, the Antichrist system and the devil and the uh, Antichrist reflects the devil's world of tyrannical control that's maintained by terror and intimidation and enforced by utter controlled chaos. Okay, they want to replace God. They want to mockingly mimic God. We saw that last week with the Antichrist system and how he mockingly mimicked the resurrection of Christ by a surviving a mortal head wound, okay? This is what the Antichrist system is. They want to replace God and they mockingly mimic him. The Bible says the devil comes like an angel of light, correct? So you get the picture of why that word Antichrist is so important to know in its original context. It meant to replace God, mockingly mimic, okay, God. That's how they are against God. That's how they become against God. So God's ways are all stable and perfect. His ways are justice built on truth. God is without injustice because he is righteous and upright. He wants his people to live in the protective boundaries of his love. That's what he designed, that Garden of Eden in the beginning. He spoke that into existence. He, sp he created humanity there. He promised them things. He's going to keep his word now. Nothing's going to change it. And he wants us back in the protective boundaries of his love, which he proved on the cross at Calvary. He desires us to never again abuse his character and nature again and be sealed us by the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Christ so we never do so again. After we learn some very tough lessons of what it's like to live outside the boundaries of God's love. There's a lot of wisdom in there, and I'm not going to get into that right now. I've been, just keep tracking with me here. So we have learned through the Valley of Hard Knocks, the ways of intimidation, monolithic control, chaos. We learned that it does not work because these are unjust. They deny God's design for human dignity governed by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 14 verses 4 and 5 returns back to describe who the 144,000 are and how they overcome the works of darkness during the worst of the worst of the worst times of all human history, the Great Tribulation where people go possessed mode, bonkers, evil is just coming in like a flood before the Lord raises up a standard. Two witnesses that we saw about earlier, 144,000 making a stand against this character and all the forces of darkness and all the tribulation saints who are getting born again. Okay, all the apostates, hmm, they're going to be toast soon. Look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 4, and it goes on to describe who these 144,000 are. And there's a lot of debate on who they are and what these verses mean. So let's just unpack this a little bit here. Verse 4, reading from the New King James reads, And these are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God. This is incredible stuff. Well, the idea of defilement with women refers more to the ways of the Antichrist harlot beast system of violence, sex, altered states, a new spirituality of a one-world religion. 
uh, then only meaning that uh, you were never married, okay? For example, in the ancient Jewish customs, being married to one wife for life was never considered adultery, okay? It was called being chaste because you're operating in the boundaries of what God wanted, uh, a marriage between a man and a woman only, okay? The Lord had Paul write that he wants us all, Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ, to be presented to the Lord as chaste virgins, okay, before Christ. These are the same folks that Paul spoke about in Ephesians there, about husbands and wives loving each other and children honoring each other. He wants us to be chaste virgins, what? Chaste from the world's harlot system. So that's a principle that we see in Revelations here being mentioned with these guys. I see that principle here, as well as maybe as what other scholars say, that some of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists might actually be celibate, or they could all be. It really makes no difference to me. Uh, but I think it has more to do with being chased from the harlot system, being a virgin from that. Don't adultery with that system. They come out of it before there's no deceit in their mouth. They don't know the ways of the world. They don't speak like the world. They don't act like the world. So many churches today I've seen, and so many people in the church are acting just like the world. They dishonor God and his Bible. The Bible says to honor your elders. And I've seen churches here in Colorado say, we, we, we don't want elders. We don't want old people in our church. Let's kick them out in violation of God. And they wonder why our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Man, you're all for about power portals. You're about power trips. You're about this and about chasing after this person's prophecy, this person's word. And it's not no longer about Jesus. It's about what you can get out of God. Okay. So, but here, these people don't teach that. There's no deceit. There's no trickery in their mouth. There's no way they're trying to pit God's character traits to get what they want. They're not like the world. They're chased from the world. Thus, virgins and chased from the antichrist system now like i said they could be totally all virgins but i'm gonna let all the phd scholars get in the corner and, and with their boxing gloves and duke it out in the arena of ideas let them do that i'm just giving you my opinion on it right now okay so you can decide what you want um, to think about it so anyway so this gives us a picture here that we are to also be celibate from that system and that's how the 144,000 evangelists and the two witnesses and all the saints that are going to be persecuted during the tribulation to or get saved during the tribulation, this is how they overcome. They're celibate from the world system. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you? In Revelation chapter 14 shows the 144,000 in total triumph at the end of the great tribulation. Remember, we started in the past, and then all of a sudden we go to the future. Now we are in the future. The Great Tribulation is over. 144,000 and all people are here getting ready to rejoice. Let's look at this further. And how they triumph sets for us an example to follow and do as well. And Revelation 14, verses 6 and 20 explains how these folks overcame and fills in the gaps and the details of this dramatic event of them standing before the throne of God, singing a new song. Now we're going to step back and fill in the explanation or the narrative and the details here that are left out in uh, verses 1 through 5, okay? This is um, what we're going to see is happening is the events leading up to this 
culmination here. You got to look at it. You got to remember it's past, future flow, like Jesus said, to the future event that we just witnessed. So we're going to go into the past. We're going to go through a historical flow here. Okay, you got to understand. You understand this. You understand this about the Book of Revelation. It begins to really make sense. So what we're going to see here are six angels that are sounding forth a message. They're going to speak something. And what follows typify what the 144,000 are preaching to the nations because these angels are speaking and this is the message that the 144,000 will be preaching at the end times. That's going to rock the world and bring in a, a harvest during this time. It doesn't sound like it because the wickedness is coming in like a flood. So let's look at this. Revelations chapter 14 verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Stop for a second. The church had the great commission to do the same thing. Now it shifts to Israel to fulfill what I talked about in the beginning, where all nations come up to the house of God okay, and see the Lord in Jerusalem during the millennial reign. What a complete fulfillment of Psalms 2, okay? That's what that means. So let's look at these verses again, 6 and 7. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. These folks are going to what? They're going to proclaim the everlasting gospel to all who dwell on the earth. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3.16. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, read John chapter 3 verses 12 through 21 and find out what the everlasting gospel is. Okay? That's what they're preaching. Salvation. Next, they're going to be sounding forth warnings concerning God's final judgment to fall as well as proclaiming that God created everything and he owns all things, okay? you got to ask yourself, why, are they, why is this angel telling them to worship the Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water, folks? Remember what I've been teaching on. The elites of the world think they control all commodities, all business, everything. They control it all. They control the world. And if they had the world's resources in their pocket, owned your property for you, they can create a perfect world and replace God. That's the Antichrist spirit, okay? So God's going to remind them, he's going to take away their means of support. This is total military thinking here. It is total war. He's going to war. He's going to wipe out, we just saw in the four, in the seven trumpets here, the, in the trumpet sound, uh, one-third of the world's resources and commodities and human slaves these people need to operate on are gone. And the wolves of wrath are going to come, they're going to knock out another third or so, okay? This is total war against these evil people who think they can replace God and become gods and rule with the Antichrist, okay? This is what this is about. And this is the message that the 144,000 will be preaching at the end times. That's going to rock the world and bring in a, a harvest during this time. doesn't sound like it because the wickedness is coming in like a flood. That's why they're saying that. And they're also, what are they going to be doing? They're, 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 they're telling the gospel. They're, they're going to give warnings that this is coming down. This is not pro popular preaching in churches anymore. They're not going to be very popular in uh, today's modern church. 
Who wants to hear about judgment to come? Oh my God, that might scare people away. We can't teach the whole gospel. We can teach only good things. Let's teach on easy believism. And God will give you everything. God's your slave. He's your genie. He, your best days are ahead. But don't teach about judgment. And don't at all say that God owns everything because, you know, there, there's a prosperity gospel, don't you know? You know. So, you know, this is so an antithesis. This is so anti-modern gospel. This is, this is, mm. and you're wondering why the, what we're going through in the world today, why it's happening? We've been turned over to our enemies, just like the Bible says. The great apostasy happens to the church. Everything goes to hell in a handbasket, and God restores everything through 144,000 Jewish evangelists, two witnesses, and those getting saved during the tribulation who are preaching this type of message to a hostile world that is hell-bent to kill them. Folks, the world's elites use the natural resources of the world as an economic silent weapon to force people to obey in their brave new world. This tells me they know what is going on and they will also be exposing these elites just like the two witnesses are doing, the champions. And they're going to war with these people in this. And you got to understand, one third of the world's resources are gone, and all of a sudden these two witnesses are calling fire down out of heaven and stopping up rain, all kinds of stuff being stirred up. And all of a sudden the only areas that have a food source and, and resources will be the area around Israel and a few other places, which will force these elites who want a one world government, a, a, a lovey, huggy, duggy, you know, we're going to all get along type of mentality, will go to war against each other. What they don't want to happen is a shooting war. They want to take over everything and then control the people so that they can live high on the hog. And you are you are a, a, a mud, uh, I call it, a mud rack. Something they can wipe their mud on, uh, on, on your back. You're nothing more than uh, a surf to them, uh, uh, a no account. Only good if you can profit them something. And so the Lord's going to be exposing it by these uh, 144,000. And you got to also note there are six angels. And these six angels will give the message of what the 144,000 are preaching. And they go in a sequence. And the sequence is further explained in what I call God's commentary explained in the true meaning of Bible numbers that is explained by the context. The only way to interpret them is by the context that they're used in. You can find the same numbers elsewhere in the Bible that only will apply to the context where they're found. And that is a rule that I found that cannot be violated. You'll be in big doo-doo if you do try to violate that and try to get winning Powerball numbers or some nonsense. So what I'm going to give you, again, is the real basic uh, lesson here on Bible numbers. Use it in here in the book of Revelation. Now people say, oh, Brian, you're adding to it. No, you're not adding to it. Okay, I want to stop and just answer that objection real quick. When David Jeremiah, Dr. David Jeremiah, does a commentary on the book of Revelation and gives his opinion, is he adding to the text and taking away from it? According to some people, he is. So therefore, you can never interpret or expound the book of Revelation. All you can do is read it. That's not what it means. To add or take away is something totally different. Joseph Smith, he took away from the book of Revelation and died. What he was doing was he was replacing his theology into 
there. He was replacing God. He was putting the Antichrist spirit into the book of Revelation. Okay? That's what that means. I'm not doing that. All I'm doing is showing you the Bible numbers and the meanings and how they line up with the context, and you be the judge. It's just like a commentary that David Gusick will do on the book of Revelation. Utley's Bible study commentary does. All these people um, have done commentaries. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, for example, is one of the rare man, men in the world who did a study Bible and a Bible commentary all on his own. One of the very few, one of the smartest a uh, very intelligent, highly intelligent man of God, okay? Doctors of theology have taught on the book of Revelation. Don't give me that stuff that, that this adds to it. Not when you apply the rules, you don't add to it. So, let's look at the first angel. And just keep tracking with me here. Uh, number one in Bible numbers is a picture of a bull's head or a head of an ox. It means simply the strong one. The ultimate strong one. It could be God, it could be this, or it could be that. It's something strong, strength, okay? Who pulls the plow? That's the idea. The strong one, the lead ox who pulls the plow. Jesus said, you know, get the. Jesus gives this analogy in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, Come unto me, all you labor, and, and, I, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn and lean of me or learn of me. Now, Jesus be the strong ox, and you learn how to walk by a side yoked with him. That's the idea here. So, this one means the head ox, the strong one. And here, uh, the ox is presented as a servant and not a lord or master. Okay? Jesus came as a servant. Amen. He revealed the nature of the Father. Okay? Be a servant of all, but he's still God. Okay? And so, he's not your servant to wait on you hand and foot. You are to come alongside of him and work with him. And he'll show you and lead by example and you follow. That's the whole idea. So here is the picture graph. One angel. He's one the first angel. And in this subject matter here, it's going to point to a strong one. And here it means the Lord God Almighty, the one and true strong one who owns everything, just as the context says in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 14. It's the one who owns it all and is upright and holy, just as verse 7 says. Okay? That's what it means. He is the strong one who owns it all. And he's the strong one who give, give you the message of the gospel of Christ. Okay? He's, he's the strong one. He's going to let you announce his judgment. You've got to be yoked with him. That's what that means. Uh, let's look at the second angel is about to sound. And look at this. Let's put the number two to it. Number two is the pictograph. Uh, is the Hebrew letter bet, which is a pictograph of a house. The basic root meaning is division, but it's division of the house. To so see whose house you belong in. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing us under heart and soul, right? You get the picture? So the idea is, see whose house you are in, okay? And who, whose household you belong to. And here are the context of the, this uh, verse, next verse we're going to read, is the house of Babylon that's going to be divided away forever from God. This is what's going to be explained in verse 8. So just listen here for a second. Revelation chapter 14, verse 8. 
and another angel, this is the second angel, saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen the great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of fornication. Here the second angel is announcing what these other, what the 144,000 are going to be teaching and prophesying on. Babylon has fallen. You're going to fall because you have made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. In other words, if you do not submit to the Babylonian system, you'll be intimidated and terrorized. They'll come, beat you up, whatever. They're going to make you comply. You have no rights. Uh, you have no right of redress with the government. Uh, you're going to have to just shut up and obey. And they will silence your free speech rights. You, you don't have any rights. That is the fornication. That is the wine and the intoxication of her wrath. They get drunk off of power to control every aspect of your life. Those in that house were going to face a terrifying end in hell and the lake of fire to come. And the Jewish evangelists are going to be teaching that. The saints of God that are saved during the tribulation will be teaching that. The two witnesses will be teaching that. The third angel sounds, and number three is, is the Hebrew pictograph of, a, of the letter Gimel. And it means, it's a pictograph of a foot. Its basic meaning is to travel. But its idea is to, you travel in order to bring something in unity. Or it means to travel in unity or in sync with whatever the context explains here. For example, go back to Matthew chapter 11 there, being yoked with Jesus. You're in unity. You have the two oxen and a yoke. You have three brought into unity, <laughs> in sync, to move in the direction God's leading you. He's going to be the lead. You're going to follow his lead and learn and lean on him. Now you get the picture of what why three means what it means, okay? So traveling in sync with God, okay? And it, or in sync with God, it could be in sync with the devil. It could be in sync with anything, okay? Let's look at what the third angel sounds and find out what he, what type of being in sync with is it god or is it with the devil in his kingdom let's look then the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand he himself sh shall also drink the wine of the wrath of god which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb so these people are going to be proclaiming what this angel is proclaiming. Don't take the mark. Okay. So what this angel is saying, those who are traveling in unity with the beast and the Antichrist system, watch out. Your day is coming. That's what he's saying here. We look at verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. That's a pretty heavy scripture there. These people are going to face never-ending torment because they have united themselves to travel the path of the fortification of the wine of the wrath of the harlot system. They're following the son of the harlot, the Antichrist. They're following the devil. They're following the dragon. They're following the false prophet. They're yoked with those three characters. This is what that's talking about. You're, these people are going to suffer because they, they chose themselves, made their own bed. They're lying in it. Now they are in the devil's kingdom and their judgment is being pronounced on them by the 144,000 and the saints as they're saved during the tribulation. 
So those traveling in life are united and in sync with the Antichrist and all his minions. And all, these are the world's elites and all who follow them. That are in, And they are going to be traveling and united to the lake of fire to come. So what of those who are united to the Lord? Listen, Revelations 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Let's look up the word commandments. Commandments always meant responsibility, how you live right before God and man. So these Jewish evangelists are going to be preaching the commandments, how to live responsible for God and man and how to live in his order. They're telling it like it is, folks. And of faith, how to be loyal to Jesus. They're trying to bring you through the midst of all this heck going on to hang tight with Jesus and remain loyal to him. So you've got to have patience. You've got to have endurance. Times are getting going to be rough. The three and a half year period, the last three and a half year period, all hell breaks loose on earth. Listen to verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. The path they travel now exposes the true nature and enslaving intent of evil, how it wants to kill all that is decent and good. So they are traveling to heaven. The other group, they're, being, they're traveling and are going to be united to the lake of fire. Now these folks that persevere and remain responsible to keep the Lord's commandments, do you know what that means? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, heart, and soul, and might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two uh, principles hang all the law. Okay, This is how you live responsible before all people. Love God, yoked with him, travel with him, say what he wants you to say, live as he wants you to live. Okay? <laughs> That's what that means. So, you're going to come in conflict with the world's elite and the Antichrist system that's traveling another path. How to intimidate, kill, murder, and slay. They come against you. They are being exposed for who and what they are. There is no escape. But you got heaven. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what that message is about there. Not a popular one. The path they travel now exposes the enslaving intent of evil and also exposes the hypocrisy of their slogans. And they're all the words they use that cannot hide the events that are going to be seen in verses 14 and 16 concerning the harvest of the earth here. Verses 14 here and 16. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Okay. Now I want you to understand something. We're going to be approaching the fourth angel sounding here. Okay. In verse 15. And you got to have the picture of the Son of Man, Jesus, up there having his head a golden crown of authority. And he's going to uh, rule and he has a sharp sickle. You know, this is the Okay. So, number four, for the fourth angel is going to uh, be saying and speaking something. And number four means an entryway or a, a way of creative works of God, the flesh, the devil, or whatever the context is. So it's creative works. It's an entryway. It's a doorway. That's what it means. So with that, the fourth angel in verse 15 and 16 is going to be speaking. And it's going to connect to the Son of Man having the sharp sickle here. So now let's look at verse 15. And another angel, this is the fourth angel, came out of the temple 
crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, that's Jesus, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is the Lord of the harvest, who John called the word of God in John chapters 1 through 14. I want you to think about it. People debate who this is going to be. But it says he's the son of man, and that's the title of Jesus. So I just let the scholars, again, get their boxing gloves on and duke it out in the arena of ideas. I'm just giving you how I look at it right now, and you can make up your own decision. But right now, this is the Lord of the harvest, the word of God, okay? Jesus Christ. The word of God that divides asunder who's in his house and who's not. Who wants us yoked to the strong one, okay? Who wants us so we travel united with him on this earth, okay? And so we're united with God's creative works here. Now we're seeing a time to reap from that harvest those who will enter the rest of Jesus away from those who freely choose the condemnation to live in the Antichrist system. In Matthew chapter 13, it talks about the... Uh, uh, the Lord of the harvest, okay? And, and at the time, there's going to be tares and, and the wheat planted together. And, and Jesus said, let, the, let them remain together until the time of the harvest. Here's the time of the harvest. The final creative work of God, so to speak, concerning the harvest time and gathering in of souls. So for the 144,000 to be preaching the everlasting gospel tells me this is a message of salvation too during this time, bringing in the last so-called harvest of God's creative work of his word going forth dividing asunder who's in his house and who's not who's united with him and so forth etc okay traveling in unity with him and then in verse 17 it says another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven he also having a sharp sickle this is the fifth angel and fifth is uh, and the number five va here means this is the fifth angel, and the fifth Hebrew letter here is a pictograph of um, a guy standing there with his hands up there, and it's like that. It's this stick figure with his hands outstretched, and it actually means just behold, something important's coming down the pike. It's usually in reference to a, a decree of judgment and justice being decreed, or grace or mercy. That's usually how it swings, or just simply pay attention, dummy, I'm telling you something important, you know. So that's what the word five means. There are shades of meaning to it, and the context brings this out. So here, Revelation, is it going to be uh, a revelation of judgment? Is it going to be a revelation of grace? Okay. Well, the context that we're going to be reading is concerns judgment getting ready to be issued, which is, which is explained by the sixth angel. Because the fifth angel sounds, but he doesn't really go into any a lot of detail on what he's saying. Okay. So it just means, behold, pay attention, judgment is coming. And so they come by the message of the sixth angel. So this tells me that the 144,000 and all the people coming who are getting saved during this time are going to say, behold, what do you want, grace or judgment? This is related to the harvest. Joining in with God's creative work to divide asunder who is going to be in the God's house, who is the devil's house, who is bound to Jesus, traveling yoked to Jesus, united with him in will and purpose in life? Who's in his house? Who's not? 
Hallelujah. <laughs> so number six is the sixth angel is going to sound. We're going to read that in just a minute. And number six is the pictograph of a tent peg. And everybody says it's a number of man. That's exactly right. That's what the Bible says. That's how the Bible defines it. It's a number of man. It actually means this. It means whom a man or an angel or anyone attaches themselves to. It means to tie down with, to hook themselves up with, to tie in with. That's what the idea is. To whose shade are you going to rest under? That's the idea of the tent peg. You tie down, you attach, and you secure yourself to an idea. Will it be God? Will it be the Antichrist? It is about tying down and attaching yourself. So the number of man is who will people attach themselves to? That's the idea of the number six. Look at verse 18 of Revelation 14. It says this, And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Okay. The sixth angel, he comes out from the altar, and he had the power of God. Now let's go step back and break this down. We saw earlier in Revelations, chapters 4 on, on up, the picture of the altar. Remember that chapter? Oh, I can't remember. It's in chapter 8. Yeah, chapter 8, chapter 9, about the altar and the saints and the who or under the altar crying out how long oh lord you remember that and the revelations there talking about lord how long how long they're in the altar so this angel's coming out from the same altar so to speak and he has power over fire and he cried with a, a loud voice this fire represents judgment and purification he's going to get rid of something he's going to purify something he's going to he, he's loaded with guns to bear, okay? That's what it come. He cried out to a loud voice to him who had the sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for grapes are fully ripe. So, this is the message that the, uh, the 144,000 are going to be teaching and those coming out of the tribulation will be teaching. There is a time of wrath a-coming. And finally, justice is going to prevail. Look at verse 19. So the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So this is judgment is coming. The fifth angel, judgment against those who are attached to the Antichrist and his system and this world. They are going to have attached to them the wrath of God. The bowls of wrath. The wine of God's wrath. They want control. They want intimidation. They, they, that's how they want to rule. Now they're going to get it. They want to get exactly what they are want. But it will be done unto them. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 14 verse 20. And the winepress was trampled outside the city. And the blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Now this dramatic scene of the winepress of God's wrath will fill the seven bowls of wrath that is seen in the later chapters of Revelation. And now you get a picture of what it's all about. It's all about God pouring out his wrath. And all the how longs that all those who were killed and martyred that are up by the altar. Remember the angel comes out from the altar and the wrath is finally going to come. The how longs are going to be answered on the rest of fallen humanity. 
So with that, let's look at Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Verse 2. Then I saw something like the sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Well, folks, it, this goes on to explain that after the six angels sound, the bowls of God's wrath are being prepared now, because this is the message that these people are carrying uh, out onto the earth. 144,000 in the saints who got saved during the tribulation are sounding forth judgments are coming the bowls of wrath are coming so they know they're coming because they've been talking about it they're not afraid or they're not cowering down they understand what is going on and they're trying to wake people up so these are the people who have victory over the beast over his image over his mark over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass they have the harps of god and traditionally speaking when i did uh, uh research on what harps mean there were it's sounding forth the attributes of God, singing about how great God is. It's just like in um, Deuteronomy chapter 32 there. Ascribe to greatness to our God, our rock, okay? He's righteous, holy, there's no injustice into him. These, these are the strings being sung on those harps, okay? <laughs> Proclaiming his character traits. Times are coming. Justice is coming. So who are these people? In my opinion, they look like they are the people who uh, perished during the Great Tribulation whose death exposed the hypocrisy, like I said earlier, and the true nature of evil being exposed. They achieved victory over the beast because they did not worship him. They didn't, did so, as Revelations 12:11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. So these people had victory over the image of the Antichrist, who wants to replace God. He wants every the whole world to be transformed into his image and likeness, to be in all aspects of, of control dominated. He wants everyone to be morally perverted, uh, little gods and, and god class, and all controlled by him. Okay, So they, these folks have victory over that system. Next, they have victory over his mark, that 666 mark, that maintains what one can buy or sell. They overcame being able to survive uh, by not having the mark. Okay, they have victory over the number of his name. Remember, that's the Antichrist character traits, and that number is 666, and that number means warfare techniques, his rule, his pride that puts people under his bondage and shackles. This is the son of the harlot system. Uh, they overcome the god of fortresses and the elites who enforce the harlot system. And notice what verse 3 says in the New King James out of Revelation 15:3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. This is why I say they had the harps that proclaim and sound out the glory of God. And attributes of his name and character are being praised and sung on those harps. That's what that, those harps represent, remember? Well, this points back to Revelation 14, verse 3. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn that song except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These folks were singing a new song of praise. They just come through the Red Sea. Now they're going into the Promised Land. Look at Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. 
Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. The stage is set right now. Uh, there's no wiggle room for the guilty to weasel their way out of. They can't come and say, well, you know, we didn't have the electors, uh, the opposing side, the Republican electors in a uh, house because our law says uh, they have to be in the place. And place can mean any place on earth. So we placed them outside in the parking lot so they can't see our, our stealing the election. I mean, um, changing the election laws. You know, they're not going to have any wiggle room like that. Okay, wouldn't you like that? Boy, wouldn't you like some justice? Man, I tell you, I sure would. So the stage is set. There's no wiggle room. Revelation chapter 15, verse 5. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And verse 6. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed with pure bright linen, having their chest girded with gold bands. All suggesting here they're bright the purity of God's going to judge the earth now. Their their chests were girded with gold bands. Uh, the glory of God, and he's going to get rid of all this mess finally. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And 16 verse 1, Revelation 16 verse 1 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying unto the seven angels, Go pour out the bowls of wrath of God on earth. So the angels were dressed in that linen. The purity of God is going to make final judgment. He's, they're going to destroy the golden-headed dream of world control and dominion by the devil and his minions. This is judgment against, uh, if you want to uh, say this, the gods of Egypt, the gods of this world, fallen angels masquerading as God. You want to replace God on earth. They're going to be judged. All his human minions and those who follow him are going to be judged. No turning back. Game over. It's on. It's finished. You'll be swimming laps in the lake of fire. With that, I'm going to end today's lesson, and I'm going to pick it up next week. I'm going to go back and explain the meaning of 1,600 furlongs, what all that means, and how it connects. I'm going to show you a little bit more out of verse 15, and then we're going to jump right into what is going to be happening. What's happening at the time of the end? That's what we're going to look at next week. With that, you guys be blessed in Jesus' name. With that, I'm going to start rolling my contact information. And if you'd like to help me keep doing my task, you can support me as well up there. All that information will be on the screen. With that, I'm going to roll out the video with this and say blessings to you all. And that, that the Lord bless thee and keep thee and make his face shine upon you. And that he'll look upon you, that you'll be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. And that the Lord will keep you far from all evil and strengthen you during these times. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.